0: Welcome to the launch of 2021 in the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast. I'm Chris Reeve, and I'm your host. And let me just start with a couple housekeeping details about some things of how I'm going to structure the podcast just a little bit differently over the coming year. I'll be doing a series of podcasts each quarter in spurts of two to four episodes at a time, and then I'll be taking a week off. So, um... I'm aiming to keep all the podcasts as short as I can, but I've got a lot of really meaty topics that I want to cover this year. So in between those spurts of podcasts, I will be doing more blog posts because sometimes there's just things I need to show you. And I definitely love to hear your thoughts on the format. So definitely drop me a line on social media or in our free Facebook group at specialeducatorsconnection.com. Today I'm starting out with a the theme of talking about individuals with high functioning autism spectrum disorder. And these are students with ASD who are working on grade level standards in general education. And I am going to talk a little bit about what that means because I don't typically refer to them as high functioning in quotes anymore. And I'll talk a little bit about what that means. I'll talk a little bit about the spectrum of autism and what that means. And the main focus is going to be on five things that I think every educator needs to know to support individuals with autism in the general ed class. And these aren't all the characteristics that individuals with ASD present. These are five characteristics and concerns that are part of why these students can really struggle in school. I see them as the five issues that we run up against with their interactions around the school, and many of them are related to others' expectations of the students or perceptions of the students' behavior. Many times they are the reasons that they get in trouble, and they are issues that we must address in order to provide quality education and support these students' needs within school. So let's get started. So let me start by talking a little bit about what I mean by high-functioning students with autism. Historically, these students have been referred to as having high-functioning autism. In general, I tend to move away from that term because I don't think it really defines anyone that well. I'm honestly not sure what type of term really defines them other than being on the autism spectrum and being an individual. As many, if not most of you know, autism is a spectrum of characteristics, and it also spans a spectrum of cognitive abilities. There's also a lot of research looking at the validity of being able to determine the cognitive abilities of individuals on the spectrum due to their sensory differences, cognitive issues, communication issues, and other characteristics. Now, within a course of a podcast, I really can't cover all the relevant characteristics of autism across the whole spectrum. It's just too broad. Instead, in today's episode, I want to focus on five issues that I see that are having the biggest impact on individuals who fall in that high-functioning autism category. So let's start with who are individuals with quote-unquote high-functioning autism? Uh, I'm referring primarily to students who are usually on grade level or above. They're most often in general education classrooms, and typically their cognitive abilities are assessed to be average to gifted. Over the years, I've worked with many, many of these students. And I can tell you one thing for sure as an educator, being, quote, high-functioning, Unquote, does not mean that these students have an easier time of it in school or that they have fewer needs. It also doesn't mean that they are less complex or easier to work with. In fact, in some of the most challenging situations that I've dealt with over the years have been students in gen ed. So these aren't all the characteristics that the individuals present. But these are the five characteristics that I think are the ones that most frequently stand in the way and serve as roadblocks for our students, and that I think are really worth taking note of. The first is that autism is often an invisible disability. Autism for students on grade level, in particular is an invisible disability. These are students who don't have a physical disability, as many students with ASD do not. However, they also don't have evident speech or communication deficits. Their social deficits are sometimes less glaring, but they're no less problematic. And I'll get to that in a bit. So people don't always recognize that this is a student who may need additional support. This is particularly true for students whose cognitive abilities or cognitive testing indicate that they have the capacity to understand the work. However, there's a big difference between the capacity for the work and the execution of the work. In short, the biggest problem that the invisible deficit has for these students is that people expect more of them than they're often able to deliver. And consequently, they don't think they need support. And sometimes the students themselves don't think they need support, partly because they don't want to look different, partly because they're getting that message from the adults around them too. And so we see them struggle academically, but also behaviorally, as well as with mental health issues, because the expectations are more than they can manage. The second issue that I think stands in the way of these students most often is that their cognitive abilities and their social-emotional functioning are not aligned, but typically people expect them to be. They expect if a student has an IQ of 140, that he can think his way through to understand social situations and emotional functioning, but it doesn't work that way. Let me give you a story. I worked with a brilliant, amazing, gifted student in high school and his team for quite a while. He had an IQ of about 150 and he drove his high school teachers crazy because he would sit and read books in class. His response, I already know the material. And he did. And he didn't understand the message it was sending to his teacher about his respect for the class. That was a minor example of the kind of thing that got him in trouble. That was a very minor example. But sometimes those little things add up. So one of the things that was put in place was for me to come in and work with his teachers before school began to help them understand the nature of his disability. And I spend a lot of time talking about how his cognitive intelligence and emotional intelligence were not the same. And of course, I gave a ton of examples and I really hammered on it really hard. So much so that by the end of the training, the teachers were saying, Okay, okay, we get it. He doesn't get social situations, even though he's brilliant. We get it. And they thought they got it. And I thought maybe they got it. And then halfway through the semester, I got a call asking me to come back and retrain the staff. And my first response to the coordinator was, they found out how smart he is, didn't they? And the coordinator said, Yep. Once they realized who this brilliant kid was, they couldn't understand how he just didn't know better. But he really, really didn't. I'll be hitting more on this point in future episodes in this series because it really deserves its own episode. But for now, suffice it to say, being smart is not enough. Social intelligence, And cognitive intelligence are not always connected for some of our students. The third item is that just because students are on grade level does not mean that all the academic content comes easily to them. Often they still struggle with some elements of the curriculum, like reading or math, but many of them still need explicit instruction in elements that impact their learning that aren't even subject based. Let's take executive functioning skills as an example. Students with ASD typically struggle significantly with EF skills, and I'm going to have a whole episode that I've planned on those as well. EF skills account for our ability to organize our time, our materials, and more. They allow us to get done what we need to get done and to solve problems. Without good executive functioning skills, our students don't turn in their homework, even though they may or may not have completed it. They don't know what homework to do. They don't follow lecture material. They don't know what material is relevant from the lecture and so on. So even though they may not have specific learning disabilities in reading and math, they still have learning areas that they need to be working toward independence on. And these are often students who have the capability to go to college, but we have to make sure that we are preparing them to be ready for that environment, because otherwise their high school diploma is not helping them to move forward. But if they do their assignments and leave them in their backpack or on their computer, they're going to fail their classes. We have to teach them how to function in the more complex environments explicitly, because no amount of just expecting them to do that is going to solve those issues. The fourth issue relates to communication issues. By definition, individuals with ASD, regardless of their cognitive abilities, have difficulties with communication. And while the communication issues for these particular students may be related to social skills, They also have other impacts. One of the most significant impacts that we see is on reading, literature, and other subjects involving more abstract thinking. And that can even work its way into math. Understanding what they're reading can be an area of deficit for them. So as they get older and they move to reading to learn, this becomes more problematic. And it even becomes a bigger problem as they get into thematic literature in English courses. Narrative use of language, understanding the perspective of characters, and even the social deficits of ASD can also play a role there. So this is an area that we really have to support the students to support their academics. They don't have a typical reading disability that many specialists are used to supporting but they still need support to progress with their reading skills in academics. And finally, number five, social skills are obviously a significant area of concern for these students. These are students who can go on to college potentially and hold a job, but typically what loses those opportunities for them are not that they can't do the work or in school that they can't master the curriculum, it's the social situations. One of the trends that we're seeing in schools now is a move towards more cooperative, project-based learning. And because that's because that's how jobs are structured. And this is an area where you're going to see more difficulties for these students. And it's where you can document the impact of their social disability on their academic performance. I saw this appear as early as elementary school with one school system that started a math curriculum that relied primarily on group practice and learning. Suddenly, the students I worked with who had ASD that usually managed in the math were fine, were struggling with this because of the social problems of managing the group work. How much does it mean if you pass all of your courses, but you can't use any of what you've learned because you aren't given the opportunity based on your behavior and social skills? If we skip over those issues because they aren't school related, then we have a problem. So those are the five things that I think everybody really needs to think about and be aware of when we're working with students that are on grade level with ASD. And many of them apply to lots of other disabilities as well. The key in each of these five issues is actually raising awareness of staff about students' disabilities and effective planning for intervention. Coming up in this series, I'll be talking more about some of these, including strategies that we can use to address them. And in the meantime, I'd love to hear your questions and thoughts about how you support these students. So if you're an educator, hop over to our free Facebook group at com and share. And if you work with someone who you think that this would, would benefit from this series, definitely share this podcast with them. You can get this transcript and listen to the podcast at com slash episode 64. And please don't forget to leave a review on your favorite podcast player. I will be back next week with another episode in this series about these amazing students. Until then, thanks for all that you do for your students.